0: Welcome back to the MLB.com Stack Hat podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com National Editor, Matt Myers. It is our final show of 2018. It's actually our final show for the next couple of weeks. We'll be back after the holiday break, the second week of January. And we're going to touch on a few quick signings from this week. Matt Harvey is an angel, Terrence Gore is a royal. We're going to make a few free agent predictions because I got to hope some of these guys are signing by the time we come back and do another show. And then we're also going to look back at some of the most interesting moments uh, that we had this past the season. The most
1: exciting moments
0: exciting interesting however you want to phrase it whatever it's very subjective as you will soon no, see. it's sci- it's very
1: scientific sure. please don't let mike fool well, you let's
0: go with that um i wanted to touch quickly on, on a few small signings there really hasn't been a large signing in a little while um matt harvey is an angel for one year and um that's good for the angels they also sent trevor cahill because they obviously need starting pitching and i uh, dug up some Statcast cast data this is sort of piggybacking off something jeff Sullivan wrote at fan graphs. his fastball spin rate has completely collapsed over the last few years if you look At 2015, and you look at 2018, there were 70 guys who threw 514 fastballs in both seasons. Uh, That group averaged adding 14 RPM of spin, which is nothing. It means no change at all. He has had the second largest spin drop. He has dropped nearly 200 RPM of spin rate, which is a big deal. Uh, The only guy more than that, Kevin Gosman, which is kind of concerning. Obviously, Harvey's had some arm injuries. His velocity is down a little bit. This is all related. That, to me, is kind of scary. I mean, for one, year deal, fine, whatever, but... That's frightening
1: to me. Yeah, it was. I, I remember during the 2015 season, something changed. Um, it almost felt like he might have changed, to like almost more of like a high, like a, a fastball grip, where it might have like been somewhere between a true four seamer and a two seamer. Uh, not surprisingly, his uh swinging strike rate has uh dropped in that time, and he's just been a less effective pitcher. I got to say, I was surprised he got 11 million. I was too. <laughs> that was more than I
0: thought he was going to get. 14. That doesn't seem to be wanting to go over the uh, the limit
1: there. But I, you know, he's he's still young enough that. I could see him saying, you know what, like, I want to, I'm going to try one more round to try and rebuild my value because he's, he turns 30 in March, right? So he could hit the market next year after his age 30 season. Let's say he like discovers the quote unquote, Matt Harvey of old, and he might do a lot better. So if he's out here marketing himself saying, I only want one year. Sure. I could see that made of like, but teams are much more willing to sort of like, pay a little more for one year if they like the guy. Yeah,
0: I'm not convinced he's good anymore, but the Angels desperately need the pitching depth. They also got Trevor Cahill. Trevor Cahill today. I like it. Um, The other signing, this is like the least impactful signing of the entire offseason, but we had to talk about it. Terrence Score somehow got a major league contract from Kansas City. That was stunning to me that it wasn't just like a non-roster invite. And if you remember, the other thing the Royals have done this winter is they went out and signed Billy Hamilton. I don't think the Royals are going to be any good next year. I think they're going to lose 105 games but they're going to be a lot of fun to watch because if you look at our sprint speed leaderboard, there were 549 qualified players last year. The Royals now have two of the top 10 and four of the top 50. Remember that does not include Terrence Score because he didn't qualify. So I have a special number for that. Uh, Billy Hamilton unsurprisingly was tied for fourth at 30.1 feet per second. It really average is 27. Uh, Mondesi was tied for ninth at 29.9 feet per second. And tied at 47th, Whitmerfield and Brettfield, both at 29 feet per second. Set aside Sal Perez, who is obviously a slow pitcher, this team is going to have lots of speed. I don't know if anyone's going to get on base at all, uh, but if they do, they're going to be running. And as far as Terrence Wer goes, he didn't qualify. He barely ever plays. He doesn't hit, obviously. But I remember I had this problem when I was preparing for the wild card game when we did our stat broadcast. How am I going to quantify Gore's speed? Because he was on that Cubs roster. So what I was able to do is I went and found Um, all of his tracked runs and I set 30 feet per second as a quote unquote elite run. If I look at the last four years, one quarter of his runs were considered elite runs That's 25 of 123. The next best guy was Byron Buxton at just under 18%. Now this is not entirely fair. Gore is only put into the game in situations where he's expected to run full speed. He's not like, you know, hitting pop-ups and jogging them out. I get that this is not a fair comparison, Um, but the top five names, if I do it this way in terms of elite runs, Divided by total runs, Gore, Buxton, Adam Engel, Magneri Sierra, and Victor Robles. Those names pass the smell test. And I just hope that Gore finally qualifies for a leaderboard. How did he get a major league deal?
1: (laughs) I'm looking at his career batting line right now. And it's it's amazing. So he's played in parts of five seasons. He's got a ring. (laughs) He's played parts of five seasons. He has 19 career at-bats. Played appearance. he has what? 19 career plate appearances in the, in the regular season. In the regular season, yeah. I don't even think he's hitting the. I think he's got no. Oh, no. oh,
0: he did. I remember. In oh yeah, because it was game. game. <laughs>
1: yeah, in uh, in uh, for the Cubs that yeah. awful awful plate appearance that basically cost him the game. Right. But no. So anyway, uh, in regular season, 19 career plate appearances over five seasons. He's played in 63 games. He has 19 plate appearances. One hit.
0: Please tell me you know who the one hit is off of.
1: Oh, uh, well, now I got to look this up. Oh, you don't, uh, Oh,
0: I can't wait for you to find out.
1: One walk, 27 stolen bases and four caught stealings. How many players have more career I, stolen bases than uh No, I'm I'm going to
0: delay this entire podcast until you go see who the one hit is off of because
1: I know the answer to this
0: and I really want to see your reaction uh, in real
1: time. All right. Well, I'm I'm going to look it up right now. It Shouldn't take long. I know that. Like, it's going to be like Max Scherzer against the it Nationals. Is, it's exactly Max Scherzer. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I saw was against the Nationals. I was like, okay, that's a, that, that's the only reason that makes it funny. One hit. One hit. It's, it's uh, against Nationals. hey, good for him. Good for him.
0: I mean, so the outfield there is going to be what, Gordon, Phillips, Hamilton, and Gore, and oh, uh, Soler, I guess, but he's kind of each. It's, it's a weird fit. Like you already got a slightly better Gore in Billy Hamilton, and now you I mean, also- I think I
1: mean like there is some reason to believe that Billy Hamilton can like hit 250 in the major leagues. There's no no reason to believe that Terrence Gore could do anything close to 250 in the major leagues.
0: I guess I'll put it this way. I don't understand it, but it's entertaining, and I really, really appreciate it. Um, Before we get to kind of our uh, most exciting, interesting moments of the year, you know, we're not going to have another show for the next three weeks, and there's probably going to be some free agents who have signed. One would think. And so what I did is I went to uh, Fangraphs, and I looked at their crowdsourced results, and there are six remaining free agents. Uh, who the crowd expects will get $45 million or more. So for me, those will be the six most prominent guys, Harper, Machado, Keichel, Kimberl Pollock, and Grandal. So, uh, you know, hopefully some of those guys will have signed. Obviously, right now, Machado is in Philadelphia uh, meeting with the Phillies. He was with the Yankees yesterday. And uh, we're going to quickly kind of make our guesses as to uh, which teams those guys will end up with. And I really, I just hope one of us gets one right. But I feel like for Machado, you know, the reports are White Sox, Yankees, Phillies, which – I don't know. Twenty-eight teams could probably use Machado. You could argue the Dodgers don't because they'll have Seager, Turner, on the left side. Probably the Rockies don't. You know, Turner, Arenado. I feel like a lot of other teams could use Manny Machado.
1: Yeah, it's it's still. I mean, there was the, uh, Heyman, John Heyman reported to this morning that basically he said it's just the three teams that there is no mystery team. Yeah. That it's just there's the only three teams that on it. Which I still sort of like. There's always a mystery team. Like, and also it's sort of like wouldn't it, like it wouldn't wouldn't it make sense for at least for his agent to kind of go out after he gets an offer and be like, hey, any, anyone else like? Right. Um, so I don't really fully fully believe that, um, but I think I mean, I think Machado's... I always thought Machado was going to end up on the Yankees, so like nothing that has happened thus far has disabused me of that notion.
0: Um, I also think he's going to end up on the Yankees. I think he'll go to the Yankees, fill in at shortstop while wow, Gregorius is hurt. I don't know. It gets complicated. Then do you trade Andujar? You know, do you tell him he's only playing? I'm gonna <clears> no, no. I'm taking it all back. You say Yankees. I'm gonna say
1: Phillies. I'm gonna say the Phillies need to get him because the Phillies may still only be the fourth best team in that division um that's fair uh i just i mean like and you you i can't remember if we talked about this on the podcast last time but you wrote a piece about how the yankees really need a left-handed bat because they're really right-handed and uh machado obviously would only exacerbate that issue whereas harper would help potentially solve that issue but it doesn't seem as if there's heavy in on harper but that could just be you know cashman could be uh can be coy sometimes so
0: yeah well also what i thought was interesting yesterday is cashman's talked about how they have enough outfielders I was like we don't need harper We've got six outfielders. Wait a minute. You can't count on Cliff Frazier for anything. Send him back to the minors. Jacoby Ellsbury is barely even a baseball player at this point. We've talked about this before. You cycle Harper and Judge and Stanton through left field, center field, uh, through the left field, right field, and DH. Hicks in the middle. Gardner is a defensive guy at two positions. You can make this work.
1: Yeah, Frazier feels like pure trade bait. Um, He's got
0: options. left, And and And,
1: and Duhart feels like trade bait to me. That's why I think think that there's a non-zero chance that they – sign Machado. Although they wouldn't need to, because, because of is out, there's no like compelling reason to go and trade induhar right now. Although I think that like, well, well I think the teams have wised up to the idea of selling high that they all see his board too. Like you still can, could quote unquote, sell high a little bit in a, on Duhar.
0: Right, so I'm writing you down for uh, Yankees for Machado. Yes. Where, where is Harper for you?
1: That's a tough one.
0: I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead of you here. Guy, okay. I think he's going to get the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers are going to move some of those pieces. There's so many rumors about you know moving Verdugo or Puig or Peterson or anybody, uh, and I think that's where Harper wants to go. I think it's
1: perfect. Yeah, I think I, 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 that makes a lot of sense to me. I'll say Phillies just to be different because also because I think they'll probably give the highest offer, but uh, he might also see other sort of secondary uh, financial opportunities in LA. I think that the, the Dodgers are well positioned to trade. I could easily see them trade for Ramuto using Verdugo to get Ramuto. I think they could trade. Uh, Puig, any number of places that Reds have shown interest. I think that like actually the um the Mets could be a fit because they kind of need an outfielder especially for one year. For, not to mention for, for Puig. Oh for
0: Puig. For Puig. Oh, for Puig.
1: For Puig. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of places they could trade they could trade Puig. The Indians have been mentioned. Like there's a lot of different a lot of different options there. So they could easily, as you said, make those pieces move. I could easily see them with the Dodgers. I'll say Phillies just to be different.
0: We, we didn't talk about uh, the Astros signing Michael Brantley, but I could totally see them trading Kyle Tucker to Miami now for real need to which is the beginning of a deal that the Miami, the Marlins should take.
1: Yeah, probably sure. that, that one makes a lot of sense.
0: Uh, Keichel. We're both kind of down on Keichel. I think his strikeout rate dropped and his ground ball rate dropped, uh, which is a little scary to me. He's going to be 31 years old this year. I mean, somebody he's the best remaining starting pitcher, right? Cause Corbin's gone. Uh, you know, guys like Harvey and Cahill are getting signed where are you putting Dallas Keuchel? I don't have a good answer to this. Maybe like the Reds are going to go.
1: I would have said something. angels until today. Yeah. Um. But they they got Cahill and Harvey. Not that those guys are like so good, that, but it just would strike me as odd. That they would go and pay those guys each, like, you know, an average of 10 million for next year. And then also go get Keuchel. I'm going to say the Reds.
0: You're going to say the Reds for Keuchel. I mean, I don't necessarily like the fit, but the Reds keep talking about doing something and, you know, a ground baller in that ballpark certainly makes some sense. Um, no, I'm going to say the White Sox. I'm going to say they're going to whiff on Machado, and they're going to whiff on Harper, and they're actually going to need to do something for that rotation. So I'm going to White Sox. Um, Kimbrell, this is a tough one. He's not getting six for 100. I liked, I'm like. i going to steal your idea. I liked your idea that you said this morning around our office that if the Phillies whiff on both Harper and Machado, they might go out and spend on Kimbrell.
1: Yeah, I think I think Kimbrell – I think that if they whiff on both those guys, they're going to get Kimbrell and Pollock is my guess, but we can sort of talk about Pollock in a second. Um, so – I will stick with Kimbrell on Phillies. No, I think if he's going to the Phillies, end up in the Phillies no matter what. And if they don't get Harper or Machado, it definitely, like, seals it.
0: Um, I like that. I'm going to go with Phillies there, too. Pollock, A.J. Pollock, only good remaining center fielder, uh, has only taken 500 plate appearances once in his career, and that's a that's a big issue for him.
1: Um, as I said, I think that if the, the Phillies whiff on those two guys, they're going to get Pollock and, and – and... You can't
0: put Harper and Pollock and Kimbrell on the Phillies. That's there. true. I
1: think, I, I think the Mets are going to get Pollock. Really, I think I think that when it's when it's all said and done, that they're definitely kind of gone all in on on win right now, like to try and win the next two years, uh, while Degrom is still under contract, while Cano still might be like a good version of Cano, and it would not make sense to stop now. And I think that the the deals that Van Wagenen has made thus far sort of suggest that he might be be able to kind of convince ownership to spend a little more. And they also the way their their payroll is set up, they don't really have any commitments after 2019, I guess now of Cano, but like a uh, uh, 2020, right. And uh, Cespedes are done after 2020. So I could see them maybe signing him to like a, like a backloaded deal um, with a smaller commitment this year and a larger commitment two years down the road. Uh, so I was actually talking to a couple people in the office here who are, are smart baseball folks who were pretty down on Pollock. I was sort of shocked to the degree they were down on Pollock, when I said like, well, I'd definitely give them the Cutch the deal, like 351. They're yeah, like, I, I wouldn't easily. do that. I mean, I still would, but I was sort of surprised to hear um, uh, such tempered takes on on Pollock. One of them was, I can actually call him out because he wrote about it on the site. Matthew Leach was like pretty, pretty down on Pollock. I get it for the for the health reasons.
0: I could see him to Atlanta, right? Obviously, they've got NCR CRT, but they've got a big hole in one of their corners. I could see him to Cincinnati because they don't really have a replacement for Billy Hamilton. But I'm going to say, even though I know this isn't going to happen, I'm going to go with the team that should be signing him. your Colorado Rockies. <laughs> New Black and but Dahl in the other corner, that's a really good outfield. Uh and then finally, Yasmani Grandal, who I think somehow has become underrated just because you know everybody's talking about too and you remember how bad he looked in playoffs. Uh, he's like I'm doing my top ten lists for major League uh, the MLB network. And he's gonna be like number two or number three. That maybe it says a lot more about catchers than it does about him, but he's really good. And there's so many teams that need a catcher. Um I'm gonna say the Angels. Name Name an Angels Catcher is a very fun game, <laughs> and I dare all of you to do it without looking it up.
1: Mike played this game with me this morning, and I'm looking at their death card now, and man, I had— You couldn't do it. I couldn't—I didn't—I'm couldn't I, I legitimately—I I can't say that I've ever heard of these guys. Maybe that's—maybe <laughs> I should know— uh, No, you shouldn't.
0: Um,
1: surprisingly, I mean, the—one of the one of the most shocking things about how good the Red Sox were last year is how bad oh, they're catching. They, they, they had—their catchers were actually—this is a fun trivia question— that their catchers had the lowest production in base. They had a negative war. They won 108 games getting negative war from catcher.
0: There were, I can't which remember. Is shocking. I, I can't remember if I was looking at like expected weight on base or weighted Rats Perry Plus, but one of the offensive metrics, the, the three worst hitters in baseball last year, with a minimum of like 250 plate appearances, were uh, Sandy Leone, Christian Vasquez, and Chris with a C Davis. And two of those guys are Red Sox catchers. Now, obviously, war doesn't you know entirely encapsulate everything a catcher does behind the plate. So fine, they won 108 <laughs> games with those guys. Also fine. Um, But yeah, they should really be in on a catcher. Romuto, send Romuto there.
1: <laughs> it's. I mean, they're obviously they've got some. I guess they've got some luxury tax issues to work out. Another team looking at f- Fangraphs depth chart projections. The team at 29th in catcher projected catcher production is the Phillies.
0: I like Alfaro better than that.
1: Yeah, but me I too. Guess. I'm a little. I'm a little more bullish on Alfaro than that. But it's. I was def- definitely surprised to to see them that low another team that's pretty down low is the brewers
0: brewers make an amazing amount of sense there and i know i'm gonna pound on this one the
1: rockies make an amazing
0: <laughs> amount of sense there because chris Ionetta, tony walters are not actually that
1: great all right so what's your what's your granddad uh, i went angels all right
0: i like brewers that's i'm gonna say
1: brewers yeah. just because you're gonna yell at me if i say phillies again so well, uh you've already
0: got phillies listed twice here
1: so. i would surprise me if they got three more free agents right, but so- i'm gonna stick with the brewers just to be different and like no one's really talking but in that weird spot where he's I mean, he had a good year, but the postseason was so bad that that's what people are remembering. I think the, the, the postseason is hurting him, not to mention the draft pick. I always thought that he was going to end up with the Mets when all was said and done. So then the Mets one swooped him and got Ramos. And I, you think that, you know, someone else look teams looking for catcher is going to trade big for Ramuto. So the market for Grandal, he could end up being like a little bit of a bargain, I think.
0: All right. So to recap, Harper, Matt said Phillies. I said Dodgers. Machado, Matt said Yankees. I said Phillies. Keichel, uh, Matt said Reds. I said White Sox. Kimberl Matt said Phillies. Uh, I also said Phillies. Pollock. Matt says Mets. I said Rockies. And Grundahl, Matt says Brewers. I say Angels. I hope one of us is right about any of those things. But more importantly, I hope some of those guys I, are signed by the next time. I, I look show.
1: forward to getting uh, roasted by old takes exposed. Oh, like yeah. can It's going to be great.
0: All right. Let's move on. We uh, we tried to figure out, you know, this is kind of our year-end show. There's not that much happening in the hot stove right this time. So we tried to figure out what were, like, you know, 10 of the most exciting moments uh, in the StatCast world during this baseball season. Now, the, the trick here is there's no actual great way to do that. You know, we could have just come up with our own list if we wanted to. But one fun way we thought we would look at it was to go into the at StatCast Twitter account and find a, a list of the tweets that received the most impressions. And I know this is obviously enormously biased, which you'll see when we get to number one, because of the middle of the playoffs, uh, obviously. <sighs> if, you're giving it away. Uh, hey, it's actually
1: not, it's probably not the one people think. Maybe not.
0: Uh, If you say, you know, if at MLB happened to retweet any of these things, that certainly helps. And then um, not only that, I looked at the top 15 and then I sort of randomized the order into our top 10. So this is more about fun than like an actual, you know, mathematical equation. Uh, But 10 of our our favorite moments, number 10, Adam Rosales on September 24th. You already know where this is going. If you know why I would talk about Adam Rosales, circled the bases in 16.23 seconds, the fastest time on an over the fence home run in 2018. Now, You may remember we've been talking about this for like three years. I wrote about this in 2016. This is his thing. This is his shtick. He's a backup infielder, only gotten to 13 games for Cleveland this year. He's 36. He might be kind of near the end of the line. But that's what he does. He hits a home run, and then he runs around the bases as fast as he can. He had like seven of the top 10 in
1: 2016. It was like him and Billy Hamilton. Yeah, it's one of my – it might be – it's like my – Probably my favorite niche thing about StatCast is like <laughs> Adam Roselle's home run. Whenever whenever he hits a home run, I'm like, "What was the tron? Did he set his own record? He's a little old, so it's a little harder to uh, to uh, to set his record. But it's always it's always entertaining to see him. Uh, I hope we haven't and- seen the last. I mean, agreed.
0: Uh, number nine came on April fourth, and there was a tweet about Shohei Otani. If you may remember had a very interesting season. Uh, he was DHing that night, April fourth. That's like the first week of the season, and at the time he had a uh, 104. And 104.5 mile an hour home run, 100.6 mile an hour single, and a 112.8 mile an hour single. And the end of the tweet was today he steps in against Corey Kluber. You remember what happened against Corey Kluber that night in the first plate appearance? 100 miles an hour, 26 degree launch angle, 400 foot home run. For me, I think that was the moment where it's like, oh yeah, that guy's legit. You just destroyed Corey Kluber. And, uh you know, obviously he had uh, an up and down season in the sense that he got hurt and he didn't pitch and then. He- you know, still hit. And if you look at the hard hit rate, which we have is 95 miles an hour of velocity velocity or more, he had the 10th uh, best mark among qualifiers, 50.2%. is just behind Christian Yelich and Giancarlo Stanton. and it's tied with Mookie Betts. So I still hear from Yankee fans who are upset that he won the Rookie of the Year. Those people are crazy. <laughs> he obviously deserved the Rookie of the Year. I know I do her had a good season. I don't care about the rookie record for doubles. I truly don't. Um, Shohei Otani, I think, you know, obviously a big disappointment with the injury, but we have it up to every expectation and then
1: some. Yeah, they, uh, so uh, Tom Tekno has been developing these similarity scores for StatCast for batter ball profiles based on, like, you know, percentage of hard hits, like hard hit rate, barrel rate, strikeouts, etc. cetera. And uh, Darren Woolman's been tweeting out uh, some, of the, some of, like, the more interesting profiles, and Otani really jumped out to me. His most similar batters are uh, Giancarlo Stanton, Ronald Acuna, Justin Upton, Paul Goldschmidt, and Chad Pinder. Chad Pinder. I, I a, love
0: that so much. I'm suddenly
1: a lot more interested in Chad Pinder, but it also goes to show that, like, Otani ranks. And, man, I will admit I was wrong about Otani. I will, like, t- I'll take exposed. Like, I was like, this guy's not going to hit. I was like, he's going to strike out 45% of the t- His strikeout rate was, like,
0: 35% Japan. He's going to be terrible. Don't feel bad. If you, if you go back and watch him in last spring, like, he looked like he'd never seen a curveball in his entire life. And so, like, I understand why people were a little apprehensive about
1: it. I mean, fairly. And I was saying that before spring training. And then all through spring training, I thought I was being proven right. And it's nice to be wrong sometimes.
0: I'm looking forward to seeing him get – I mean, I know he's not going to be healthy on opening day. So, let's say, like, 450 or so plate appearances next year. And I hope he does not lose even a single one to Albert Pujols. Now that Justin Board's is there, to plays on first base. Number eight, Joey Gallo hit a home run on June 15th. Uh, 115.5 miles an hour, 447 feet at the time. This is June 15th. They made him the third player with three homers of 115 or higher joining Stanton and Judge. Judge ended up with only the three, Gallo got four, and Stanton ended up with six. Joey Gallo had kind of a weird season, if you really think about it. Uh, He led the majors in barrels per plate appearance. Now, a barrel is what we've defined as the perfect combination of exit velocity and launch angle. It's like literally the best thing you can do. Nobody did it more often than Joey Gallo. Uh, 11.1% just ahead of Christopher K Davis and J.D. Martinez. His 66 total barrels were third behind those two guys. But if you look at his splits for the season, it was really weird. His first half, he was not actually very good. He hit 187 with a 296 on base and a 443 slugging for a 91 weighted runs created, plus 4100 is the league average. In the second half, he hit 239, but who cares about that? 340 on base, 592 slugging, a 141 Created plus in the second half joey gallo was a monster and i don't think anybody paid attention to the rangers after like may 1st so i probably didn't even notice that i'm excited about that.
1: i'm always paying attention to joey gallo maybe my favorite player in baseball right now did you see last week when um jason I mean, it was two weeks ago jason started that story about um this is I'm not about, want to, the about the shift the shift i'm yes. not getting into going the going shift yeah. <laughs> and like it was like you know should i be banned the shift and like Joey, Joey Gallo retweeted it and said, that's all I want for Christmas. <laughs> and I don't
0: know if you noticed, Matt Carpenter retweeted that and said, "Me too,
1: buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so me, maybe I already liked Joey Gallo a lot. It made me like him even more.
0: Number seven, Aaron Judge on May 27th uh, had a base hit and it was 119.9 miles an hour of velocity. It was at the time the hardest hit batted ball of the season. That was on May 27th. It ended up being the fifth hardest hit ball of the season. But if you look at the list, I've got the top 15 in front of me. The top 11 hardest hit balls of the season were all from Yankees, but from three different guys. Judge, obviously, Stanton, and Gary Sanchez got in there with a 121.1. 1.
1: It is interesting that Stanton had nine of them. Yeah. And Sanchez and Judge each had one. Right. Yeah.
0: I mean, it sort of feels like people think Stanton didn't have a good debut. I mean, I know he didn't hit 59 home runs. but still really good. Like, he, he he was a successful import.
1: He was he was the thing was like he had the best year of his career the year before, like he was insane the year before. But, uh, you know, the standards are high, still end up with a 266, 343, 509 line, 38 home runs, four war season.
0: The, the uh, the top, Pretty hit, good. the top 15 list of harded, hardest hit batted balls there's five names uh, within the top 15. Stanton has a ton, uh, Judge is there twice, Sanchez is there once. The other two names, Daniel Polka, <laughs> yes, uh, and Carlos Gonzalez. <laughs> So good for Carlos, that he can still do that. But I'm so happy. Daniel Palka was one of my favorite stories of the entire season. No question. Completely off topic. Uh, Aaron Judge, by the way, led baseball with a 54.1% hard hit rate. He got hurt. He was very, very good. Uh, I didn't tell Matt this, but for number six, I cheated. This one did not actually show up on this list of tweets, but I wanted to talk about it anyway. This was when Ramon Laureano uh, made that insane
1: play for the A's. My favorite play of the year. Oh, My favorite play of the the year. Like, it's not even... It's not even close.
0: This is this is why it's on my list. If we'd put any forethought into this at all, we would have had like audio clips for all of these ready to go because this is an amazing play just to listen to for the broadcasters. Uh, if you don't remember it, he made a four-star catch. I think it was a forty-six percent catch. Uh, he was a set, playing in center field. He was going back and towards left field. He catches the ball, unleashes this rocket of a throw, ninety-one point two miles an hour that traveled three hundred and twenty-one feet on the fly to first base. It hit Matt Adda- uh, Matt Olson basically like you know at at, at chesta and got eric young jr for the double play 321 feet on the fly think about that that is longer than a football field if you don't count the end zones that's you know a
1: 300 feet right there and i actually think my highest engage, my tweet with the highest most impressions this year was i when i watched the replay of that play there was an A's fan in the front row behind the dugout and like when you p- they picked him up on camera replay with like his hands over his head like going like an oh my oh, god yeah, yeah, yeah. and i did like a screen grab and like did a circle of him and i got like you know, so this this play was a uh, was social media gold. And
0: he'd been in the big leagues for like ten minutes at that point. Like they just called him up, not that.
1: Far. And he was like, wasn't he like a, a lost from the Astros? Kind of forty man. The roster, the Astros had like too many good guys in their forty right. man.
0: Yeah. Uh, so Louriano actually, you know, fantastic outfielder. Sure looks like hit pretty well. Two eighty eight, three fifty eight, four seventy four. A one twenty nine weighted runs created plus. I don't think he's keeping up a three eighty eight batting average on balls in play, but his sprint speed was twenty nine feet per second, which is very good.
1: And he was always a high OBP guy in the minor, so he just seems like a. Good defender, amazing arm, you know, draw some walks, good player.
0: Yeah, he is completely buried, Dustin Fowler, but I'm looking forward to a full season of Laureano. Number five, uh, I cut this off, so I don't even remember what date this was, but that's okay. Harrison Bader made a fantastic catch. Uh, He had a five-star catch, uh, and at the time it was his sixth five-star catch. And I think we've talked a lot about what Bader did on defense and to change the complexion of that whole Cardinals team. He tied with Ender and Ciarte for the most outs above average in baseball, at plus 21, but remember, he played 915 outfield innings. That was 56th most in baseball. Inciarte played 426 more innings. They came to the same amount of outs above average. We also like to look at uh, catch percentage added. So uh, an average outfielder would have been expected to catch 85% of the balls that were hit to Bader. He actually caught 93. That plus 8 at baseball. So this, of the 25 hardest throws tracked by Cardinals fielder this year, 17 of them were from Harrison Bader topping out at 99.2 miles an hour. I know the Cardinals outfield went through a lot of changes from the original, you know, Fam Fowler, Ozuna, and then turned into some kind of O'Neill martinez situation. It was a very weird year. Uh, and, you know, I'm not sure trading Fam was, like, actually a good idea, but Harrison Bader looks like he's an actual star.
1: Well, I, I think the, the the profile from uh, L'Oreano might not be that different, actually. Both guys had, like, super high BABIPs this year. Which may sort of not be uh sustainable, but uh but the speed is real. The speed's the, the the defensive skills are real. I think people are probably gonna be disappointed by Bader. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a step back as a hitter this year. Doesn't mean he's not a useful player. Uh but uh it's uh it, I think he's like more like like healthy Juan Lagares from three years ago. Like that's more of the pro- that's, that, of that's more okay. the profile that I think of for, for, for Bader. I think
0: I think he's more exciting. Like Legaris I don't know. I just never got like this, he was a very good outfielder, but I don't remember him being like highlight
1: reel kind of guy. Yeah, it was definitely definitely more like a it's it's almost uh, I'm trying to think of a, a comfort, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Let's stick with the Cardinals and number four, Jordan Hicks on May 20th through the five fastest pitches of 2018, reaching 105 miles an hour twice. The only other pitcher on record dating back to 2008 to do that was Araldis Chapman. He ended up throwing 659 pitches at 100 miles an hour. That was 50 percent of all Major League pitches to get to triple digits just from Jordan Hicks. Now I know I saw that and I thought this guy's going to blow everybody away. He kind of didn't uh, He hit a below average strikeout rate and above average walk rate, but he did have a 61% ground ball rate, which is because his fastball is like a sinking two-seamer. And if you watch some of these, like the this, you know, the pitching ninja Twitter account, like a oh. cottage industry out of Jordan Hicks because we did it right. When he would throw this t- sinking two-seamer at 101 with unfair movement, you thought this guy's going to be the best pitcher who ever lived. Doesn't throw enough strikes. Still got to work on the slider. Obviously he's young, um, but man, that guy was a blast to watch when those pitches were all working in, in concert.
1: For sure. That's it. Yes. That was your, that's your that's thought like, on Jordan Hicks. It's, it, I, <laughs> I, I, I am of the belief that I think that he will find, I think he's going to find a kind of a new level this year. They I might think, have,
0: they might have him and Alex Reyes in the same
1: bullpen. And then we check if the went and signed signed uh, like a reliever. They should, they should. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm curious. He's a player I'm interested to see that they could, like, after he was really young uh consolidate his skills a little bit.
0: Number three. I'm so excited about this one. April 20th, 489 feet of Franchi Cordero in Arizona. And if you remember watching that one, he got every bit of it. It hit way up on the uh, scoreboard in Arizona in dead center field. Uh, that was the longest home run that's been hit by a Padre in the four years of Statcast. It ended up being the second longest of the season. Trevor Story had won at uh, 505 feet, hit that ball 116.3 miles an hour, and, you know, didn't end up actually playing that much. 40 games, 154 played appearances. It was about league average for his elbow, All right. So uh, I could never really clarify if he just hurt it and then didn't have surgery or just tried to recover from it. But anyway, he's back playing winter ball. I still have hopes for him, but they have a lot of outfielders, in, right? Like I, Hunter Renfro is a cannon. I don't know if he could hit. You got to put Will Meyer somewhere that's not third base. They really seem to like Framlo Reyes. Minnie Margot is a good center fielder. There's always these guys. We're just always floating around like Travis Jankowski. There's a lot of outfielders, and I, I hope they find room for Franchi because I want to see him
1: play. For sure. Uh That was one of my – that highlight, uh, it's one of those where you, you see it, the pitcher is uh, Matt Matt Cook, it's pronounced. Yeah, it is Matt Cook. Uh, Spr- Sprouts Koch. Yes. Uh Matt Not Cook. to confuse you, but uh, he's just like one of those where like the ball leaves the bat and he just like drops his head. <laughs> I,
0: I come prepared for this with Matt Cook data too, by the way. There were 274 pitchers who faced 250 guys this year. His expected weighted on base of 403rd, uh, 403 was dead last. He was actually dead last 274th. And I think that all of that was because of this Frenchie Cordero. That that pumped his rating down by like 40 points. Uh, number two, June nineteenth, Jackie Bradley Jr. Oh man, this is one of those times where I wish this was a video show and not audio only. So we'll, we'll you can figure either either on
1: social media or via like a yeah. an article on the site or maybe both. We will make sure to to surface all these highlights so you can see them for yourself.
0: June nineteenth, uh, he unleashed a one hundred and three point four mile an hour throw. It was the hardest track throw
1: of twenty eighteen. It was against the
0: twins, uh, and so uh, Adrianza flew out to center field, and Robbie Grossman tried to tag. And it ended poorly for him. <laughs> I mean, I thought that ball was going to go through the catcher's mitt. So I went back and I looked at that tweet and I looked at the very first two replies and I thought they were hilarious. Uh, the first one is from Mitchell Lichtman, who has been a, a you know, sabermetric legend for years. He's the creator of Ultimate Zone Rating. And what he had said at the time was, when that ball is caught, I'm thinking there's zero chance to get anyone unless they fall down halfway between home and third. And that ball was a cannon. And then also a here from Chandler Hales. He probably would have been a better option to pitch in the eighth than Scott was. <laughs> I thought
1: that was Jackie great. Bradley Jr.'s arm is like, it's on another level. Uh, it's it's incredible. Like I I get excited when like there's a man on third, like, in a Red Sox game and there's like a fly ball to center field. Yes. Like oh like, like, let's do it's on now. It's uh and, he, and this throw is, is incredible. And he
0: hits the ball hard. Like he's a great outfielder. And he hits the ball hard. He's like top fifteen in hard hit rate. And he's kind of streaky as hell. You know he's got these periods where he looks like he can't hit at all. Uh, but if you look in the second half last year, he actually he hit really well like you sort he gets overshadowed i think by bets and martinez and ben attendee uh, but i really like jackie Brown. he's a good player number one and this is where i was going to go back to uh, there's a little bit of bias here because obviously things that happen in october get a little more play cody bellinger made a 17 percent catch in a really big spot so this is game four of the nlcs it's the top of the 10th inning brewers are up 2 one in the series the game is tied at one lorenzo Kane comes up And it doesn't hit the ball hard, 82 miles an hour, but, you know, it's kind of like in this bloop range where there's a 97% chance that the ball hits the ground just based on his exit velocity and launch angle. Based on how far Bellinger had to go, 63 feet, and how much time he had to get there, 3.7 seconds, there was only a 17% chance he was going to make that catch, and he did. And not only that, it looked good. And remember, he was playing right field. This is a guy who was a first baseman center fielder all year. He barely played right field at all. And there he is in the biggest possible spot making that
1: catch. And he makes this like sliding catch. It's almost like there was like a slip and slide out in the field. He like slides for like 10 more feet after he makes the catch, uh, save the game, and then he ended up getting the winning hit. If
0: you remember that game, the 13th inning, yeah, he gets a single, 100.3 miles an hour off of Junior Guerra. And Manny Machado comes around to score. I don't know if you remember, there was some discussion this postseason about whether Manny <laughs> Machado would hustle
1: or not. I, not. I not, I not heard. I must have missed that On story. On that
0: play, Machado got up to 28.7 feet per second, his third fastest run of the entire season so like there was the hustle I guess there wasn't always the hustle but it was there
1: yeah when, when you first like uh we first saw the, the results which uh, were pulled with the help of our good friend Andrew Simon I assumed that uh Ben Intendi's game ending catch yes, I just would, have been, would have been but again yeah, it happened at like one in the morning on the east coast so yeah. I think they the social media engagement was probably relatively low granted this happened yeah, at yeah, west, so did this. this is a west coast <laughs> game so what do I know
0: yeah well so that's a good point uh, I'm sure you're all thinking of your own favorite moments and you're saying, what about this and what about that uh, and you're correct. Every single one, you're correct. But this was the uh, top 10 list we pulled in a completely subjective fashion. Uh, this is it for our show for this season. Thank you all very, very much for listening and interacting and tweeting. in as we appreciate it so much, uh, we'll be back in a few weeks, the second week of January, looking forward to another fun season of the StackCast podcast. Thanks very much.